Uh, what's up, Mike? Hey, bud. I, I can't even look at you. Uh, Mike lost his dad. What's going on, buddy? It was a whirlwind week. It went from married Saturday. Yeah. One week later, I get the phone call from my mom. One week to the day. Right. Yeah. Well, well, we were together, uh, I guess at this point, a couple weeks ago in this lounge. Who were we talking to where I said, I want to take you out for a bite to eat, but I had something to do, and you said, don't worry about it. I got to go get a suit. Wasn't it Dr. Ian? Uh... It, or was it Kevin Pollack? It was Kevin Pollack. I think it was Kevin Pollack. That was the last time I saw you. Okay, so it's been a couple weeks. And I'm in here, and uh, we had a great podcast with Kevin Pollack, and then me and you walked out together, and I was I was saying, why don't we get a beer or something to drink uh, uh, or something to eat, whatever. And then you were the one that first said, well, actually, I'm really busy. I, I got to go get a suit. I'm like, oh, okay. And I didn't ask what the suit was for or anything. And then uh, fast forward, I have to find out online that uh, you got married yeah, to you, the lovely Julia. You texted me, are you married? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what are you... Because we were just hanging out <laughs> with Kevin Pollack. And then the reason why you were getting a suit was because you were getting married in that suit. Exactly. Why didn't you want to tell me? Uh, I'm weird like that. I always feel that, one, it kind of puts you on the spot. Yeah. And so I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. I didn't tell anyone. Like, people at work, like, you got married? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. tell anybody. Uh, none of us were invited. Uh, well, no. It was just a family thing. I'm having a big party in September. Okay. That's like the big monster party. We rented out like two floors of a bar. This was just, we rented out the back of a bar for just family, like 25 people. And who married you? Uh, my uncle's an officiant. Oh, really? Yeah, so it was pretty cool. So it was a, just for, just family, basically. Just family in the wedding party. So it was like, I think, ended up being 19 people or 20 people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I had to find out on social uh, <laughs> media. I'm like, did you get married? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot to tell you. That's why I was getting the suit or whatever. But we're getting uh, ready to talk to Chris Algieri, who's from my hometown of Huntington, Long Island. Uh, but this is the first time I'm, I'm seeing Mike since he got married. And then a mere, how many days later? It was seven days. It was actually like exactly seven days. It was Seven days later, your dad died unexpectedly. Completely unexpectedly. Like not even... A whisk of an idea that he was sick. And what did he die of? Did he have a heart attack? They actually don't know. What they think happened was he was always like a big motorcycle guy, worked like three jobs, always big. In the past maybe five, six months, he started losing weight. Yeah. And we started calling him out like, hey, you know, you're getting like a little bony. And he was always proud of his body. He's like, I'm just not hungry anymore. Right. Thought nothing of it. You know, he's, he's retired now. Yeah. So he'll do like some construction jobs, some home improvement jobs here and there. Kept losing weight. He's like, yeah, I'm only eating one time a day. No one thought anything of it. Around two weeks ago, my mom's like, hey, you're not eating at all now. And he was getting some sores in his mouth. Like a few like pus things in his mouth. Yeah. So we thought cancer right away. Right. And he's like, listen, after the wedding, I'll get checked out. Which makes you always think that he knew something was going on. Right. And he was like shady. He went to the doctor and the doctor's like, you lost like a ton of weight. He's like, this must be a new scale. My jeans are fitting perfectly. Yeah. And they he bought smaller jeans. Uh, so the wedding's over. You know, we partied like animals. He's hung over for like two days. And then um, like Thursday and Friday, tells my mom, I can't get off the couch. I'm just dead tired. My mom's like, all right, you're retired. If you want to lay on the couch in the Jersey Shore, you're good. Saturday's like, my legs hurt. And he ne he's just a guy who never said he was hurt. Right. And he's like, I just don't feel good. I'm going on. And I was like, you're dehydrated. Let's do this. And then it was like kind of weird. Finally, she calls me up. She's like, and I didn't talk to him for two days, and we talk almost every day. His phone was off, and she's like, he feels so sick. I'm going to take him to the hospital. And she's like, he actually said he'll go to the hospital tonight. So I'm like, that's kind of weird. He never, this is an old school yeah. Brooklyn dude, East New York, 
never goes to the doctor. He's not like that. And then um, it was around like 9 o'clock. She's like to my dad, Kev, I'm calling 911. You can't get off the couch. You're saying your throat hurts. He's like, yeah, call 911. She calls 911. She's on the phone. Call 911, packing her bag. And she hears, <gasps> and she looks, and his head was just slumped down. And that was it. Out, yeah, it was. She And she called me up. My phone rings. I'm like, hello? She's like, you got to get down here. Your dad just died. I'm like, Ma, what are you talking about? Because he was never even, oh, if you know you can have that last conversation. Yeah. Not even in a million years. If you had named a million people that would die, he was the healthiest guy. Right. And just dropped right there when she called 911. Do you think he was really sick but didn't want to tell you because you were getting married and he was just trying to? I think he knew. I think he knew. And I'm not one of those people that are like, oh, he knew. He knew he had something. Because right. he's like, I promise you, after the wedding, I'll get tested for everything. Right. And he kept putting it off. I truly think he knew he had. His mom died of cancer. Right. So I think he knew he had cancer or something or something like that. That's a tough guy, though, man. Tough guy. Motorcycle guy, tattooed up. Yeah. He's like, I'm telling you, when I was little, he worked three jobs. Right. You know, to make it not funny, but he had a kid at 13 and a half years old. What do you mean? And Yeah, my dad was 13 and a half years old, had a kid, then had a kid at 15, and then waited a few years, got divorced, and married my mom. So he had a kid, like, he started working when he was like 13 and a half years old, doing roofing and- He was a father at 13 and a half well, the first time? At 14, he got a pregnant 14, at 13. right, right, yeah. right, right. That's unbelievable. Yeah, so the life lessons he taught me, I always said, like, never sat in a study with me with a glass of wine. He was like- don't be like me. Right. Wear a condom. I got a girl pregnant at 13 and a half. Wow. Don't be, I'm like, oh my God. Like, that, that's insane. Yeah, he lived a wild life. Right. But I, when you told me, I, I just assume, you know, when someone dies unexpectedly, you assume, you know, obviously if it's not a car accident mm -hmm. or something, that he, it's a heart. So yeah. you really don't know don't what know. he died from. Don't know. Will you guys find out? No, my mom's like, not about it. She's like, she, you know, she went through such shock. Yeah. So I went down there next day. So it's over. It's over. The next day, you know, I'm me with my list. I have like, mom, we have to go here, here, yeah, here, yeah. here, and here. Like I'm OCD with that stuff. And then finally the doctor calls up. Like, do you want us to do an autopsy? And she's like, I don't. He's dead. He can't come back. Right. I'm like, mom, if you didn't poison him, you yeah. promised me you didn't poison him. We're good. Have you talked to her about it? Like, did she know that he was pretty sick? My mom? Yeah. No. She knew. Everyone knew he was that's a getting tough old. guy. He, he was 63. Everyone knew he was getting older. He's yeah. young. And, and Rob, we went to uh, the Hall of Fame you know, a few months ago. And you look at a picture, he has like his little beer gut, big dude. And then you look at pictures now, you're like, shit, he lost like 30 pounds. Right. But his thing was like, I'm working, I'm not eating. Yeah. Yeah, so we all think he knew. He was just like, let me man up until after the wedding and see what goes from there. He just decided that he wasn't going to a doctor no matter what. No, and you know, he was always like, you know, Heineken guy, big drinker. Yeah. Uh and what happened was, like, he stopped drinking for, like, months. Right. Like, he would have a beer if he went out to dinner. My wedding, he's, like, all out drinking, Heineken, doing shots. And everyone's like, holy shit, this is the old Kev. He never did. Yeah, he knew. He went out with a bang. Wow. Yeah, completely out of nowhere. So you get married, and then seven days later, you lose your dad. Yeah. How you doing, man? Uh, hanging in there. I think it was more like I kind of had to man up. I went down there. My mom was a hot mess. My whole family. Right was a mess, you know, old school Italian family. We all lived in the same house. Right. So it was four families in one house. Yeah. So the I just had to like man up. And he always tells me a story when Thurman Munson died. Yeah. George, he was the biggest Yankee fan. Uh, I just want to tell one story about that later. And George Steinbrenner like stepped up when Munson died and started doing stuff. And he always talked about death. He's like, when I die, I need you to be Steinbrenner for me. Right. 
You don't cry until after the funeral. You do what you want. Right. Don't ever show weakness. So I had to like kind of man up and do everything. He, so he taught you not to show weakness as, as a dad, huh? Yeah, he always told me I'm not knocking my other brothers, but he's like, listen, everyone's going to be weak. Right. Everyone. I need you to he's be like, the one. He's like, you don't cry in front of mommy. You get down there. He's like, and he always talked about death. He's like a morbid dude. Yeah. He, he would tell me like, um, I will haunt you unless you dress me. This is what he told me. Dress me in jeans, a Yankee jersey, no underwear, socks, and sneakers. That's it. He's like, I don't care. Do not put a suit on me. Like, I'd go buy him, like, a $100 T-shirt, just, and he'd cut this, like, right. neck off. He was, like, old school dude. Yeah. And uh, how, he, how did that make you feel that you had to man up? Oh, uh, it was tough. You know, I'm driving down there with Julia, and she's crying like crazy. You know, sure. she, she doesn't have a dad. This She called him dad. Yeah. Right. And I went down there, and then uh, the one good thing, the Jersey Shore Police Department, the Whiting, New Jersey, like, he was on the floor. Like, we got to take him. And my brother's like, you can't. My brother's a cop. He'd be here. So, like, we can't wait here. We can't wait here. I called him, like, you got to do me a favor. So I came there and was like 10 people like throwing themselves. So I had to man up. I'm like, all right, everyone. You know, and also I, I'm kind of. Wait, so you got to the house and your dad was still in the house? Lay, laying on the floor. Oh, my God. Yeah, I had to say goodbye. And you know what? I am kind of desensitized to death to a degree because I've seen it so much on my job. Yeah. But now I'm like, holy shit, it's my dad. Right. So I kind of had to like, I remember what you told me, dad. I'm not going to, like, meanwhile, my mom's crying. My brother, people throwing themselves on the floor because yeah. it's so unexpected. And I couldn't cry. I was just like, that's it, okay. I made a list. I cried when she go to when she went to sleep. I went outside to you know her, her deck. I cried, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And then the morning I came out, we got a list. We got to go to the funeral home. We have to do this, 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 this. And that was it. I had to do everything. So I'm still kind of in shock, but I had to do everything. Well, as, we're, as we record this, it's only been uh, yeah, well, 10 days or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's been uh, eight days. Eight days. Eight days as we record this up. Right, right. I, it, yeah, it's been like a, a week or so. And uh, like even the eulogy, here's how crazy I am. I read the eulogy like 30 times just so I'm like, it, it was just words to me. Right. Like I flat out read it, like memorized it. It was just words. Then at the end, I was like emotionally drained, like. Phew. Yeah. Wow. Well, the love and support online has been unbelievable. In- incredible. I just want to tell one story about him you love. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, never a guy to tell life stories. He would always, I'm never a guy to sit down and be like, Mike, do this, do this. He would tell you so raw and real. But I'll tell you my favorite story about him, like the grandiose story. 96, I'm like 15 years old. Yankees win the pennant. And, you know, we, we grew up pretty poor. He's like, hey, I'm going to go get tickets to the World Series. I'm going to go sleep outside Yankee Stadium. I tweeted this once. And uh, we go back home to Staten Island. He slept outside for two days at Yankee Stadium. Comes home, he's like, I couldn't get tickets. I'm like, all right. He was like on the couch. I never saw him. My dad dejected. He was like so upset. He was home for like 10 minutes. He's about to change the channel and says, uh, still tickets available. Gets back in his car, drives back to the Bronx, sleeps outside again, and gets tickets to game six, 96 on my birthday. Wow. So we sat there. I always say the greatest moment of my life. So him and I sat there at Yankee Stadium on my birthday when they won the World Series. That's always like the grandiose story I always right, tell. Right, right. Yeah, That's yeah. a great story. Yeah, it's like my grandiose thing I always tell everybody about him. And everyone's giving you advice about losing a parent, right? Oh, it's great. You know what? Uh, I didn't know. I didn't they, tell anybody. They mean well. They mean, everyone means well. They're great. I had a couple conversations uh, with Mike off off mic. Yeah. Because <laughs> some of these people, they mean well, but they're saying stuff that I, I don't. I just don't think is right. Yeah. I uh, I didn't tell anyone. Like, I only told one person at work, my boss. I'm like, hey, I kind of need bereavement leave. Yeah. And then I didn't tell you. And you're like, hey, you want a podcast? I'm yeah, like, yeah. My dad. So you said it on the podcast, which I'm so grateful for. You're such such nice things 
And then my DMs, because they're open, get like 100. But some people are like, you'll never get over this. You'll life and, your life will never be the same. Just stay strong. Right. I'm like, thank you. Like Everyone's being overly nice with their... Yeah, everyone's being cool. But it, I mean, you know, death uh, affects all of us very differently. But I, I really believe that... I mean, the, the advice I give people is uh, you don't, you, you can't give anyone advice. You just got to tell them to hang in there and that, you know, better days are ahead of you. And eventually it, it does become something else. Like when I think of my dad, I mean, it's been many years, but shortly, I mean, maybe a year after his death, I started smiling when I thought of him, you know what I mean? And, I, and it became, became just a, 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 another thing. And I, I, I feel like I still have conversations with my dad because if I'm going through something tough in my life, I know exactly what my dad's going to say. So I kind of like talk to him in that way, knowing how he's going to answer this question that I have for him. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. What do you say? It's, well, it's, it's, it's just so fucking tragic. Like I said on the podcast, it's like life just knows how to kick you in the fucking teeth, man. Yeah, it was nuts because like I dropped my suit off at the dry cleaners. Yeah. And it, that morning I picked it back up. Yeah. My mom's like, you got to get down here. I'm like, and it was the only suit that was clean. Right. So I'm wearing the same suit I got married in because it was like the only suit, all my other suits were dirty. Right. And I'm like, holy shit, one week ago, we're partying and to the minute, like 11 o'clock, the wedding ended. Yeah. And I was down there. But you know what stuck in my mind the most? You said on a podcast when your father passed, you looked at him, but it was just a body. He wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't comprehend that. I saw my dad there and they're going crazy. I looked down, I'm like... That's not my dad. Like no, he's it, it, it was weird. Like he he was yeah. gone in a different place. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just looking at the body. It was yeah. it was a weird thing. Whatever you believe. I mean, uh, do yeah. You, whatever. If you believe, you know, you just mm -hmm. shut off like a computer, like a lot of people think, or that your soul goes somewhere else. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it it was in my case, it was just a vessel. Yeah. It was my dad's vessel. Yeah. I, I had no attachment to his actual body after he died. So. And the thing you said about obviously it sucks. You know, the Yankees lost the other day. I want to call him up. Yeah. I call every after every game we talk. Uh, so that's a weird part. But right now I'm in the phase of like I kind of celebrate his life. I there was nothing he wanted to do. He wasn't a traveler. He wasn't this. He just wanted to sit home, watch the game. That was it. So it wasn't like oh shit. I wish my dad could have gone to Asia. I yeah, wish my yeah. dad. He did it all. He wanted to do. He lived his life how he wanted it. Exactly. Wanted wanted. To. And he prepared you to be able to live yours. You exactly. Know, what you just told us all about how you took control because he prepped you for that, mm -hmm. right? And that's a you know that's something that it, it certainly you know as much as we kind of rag you on your OCD with this <laughs> show, it pays off, right? You yeah. know, you're very organized. You wouldn't have gotten as far as you would with your job had you not had those skills, and you can attribute that all the way back to your old man. Yeah. The funny thing with the job, and I know we're going on a little bit, is I was like 19 years old. He's like, what do you want to do with your life? What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, listen, go take some city jobs. And he, he, he was so honest. He's like, I don't see a big future for you besides a city job. He's like, I'm not knocking you. You're not a money guy. You're not that smart. You need a city job. You're not that smart. Yeah, he would tell me. He would be like, "Listen, your brother's a smart kid. You're not that smart." That's what he would tell me. You'd have to. He goes, "You have to study to do stuff. You're not that smart." You're, You're kinda, not. I, I, I mean, I don't know you. I don't know you as well as your dad obviously did, but. I, I think you're a smart guy. I thought so, too. I really do think you're a smart guy. But do you guy. think that motivated you, or had you always been a reader? Uh, no, I was always a little bit of a reader. But I remember, I'm like, so I take all the you know police, the fire tests, and I'm, I'm like, listen, I'm going to have the summer of Mike, like the summer of George. I'm going to live down the Jersey Shore and party. And the police academy called the 20. He's like, you're going in it. I'm like, no. He's like, he, had, he didn't even like cops. Yeah. He's like, you need a city job. Go transfer over. Get, your, get a job right now. 
So I hated it. I'm like, oh, but I did it. And now I'm, I can retire in two and a half years. Right. So like he, everything he told me to do worked out for me. Sure. Like from the condoms all the way down to right. city jobs, he gave me life lessons in his way. So it's kind of hard to, what I'm a, sad, but. What a man. Yeah, yeah, solid dude. Probably man. had cancer and didn't want to tell wouldn't any tell of anybody, guys. Anybody, wouldn't tell anybody. Wow. Yeah, wouldn't tell anybody. Like no one even knew like half the stuff. It was almost like he he knew, okay, Mike got married. Mm-hmm. I, I could I could go. Well, I'll tell you the last thing. Uh, yeah. He lost one son, so there's three of us left. Me, my brother, and my half-brother. My one full brother deals with addiction. He's clean now, though, finally. And, like, just a few days ago, he got, like, a, I can't really say what he got because it's his job, but he got a great letter that he's he's fine. My other brother's fine. So at the first time, I got married. He saw everything he needed to see. Yeah. And that was it, and that's the truth. Sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. It was, it was, he, he definitely had everyone, like, even the doctors, like, yeah, it was cancer. He wouldn't tell anybody, like, she was like, I don't know how he lost all that weight, sores in his mouth, but wouldn't tell anybody. And that was it. We went out. So he might have went and saw a doctor, and the doctor basically said, I, you got a year, buddy. I truly think he knew. Right. Because he was always like, you know, oh, I'm going to go to the doctors, I'll, I'll, you know, a random checkup. I think he always knew what was going on. Yeah. Because get checked out, he's like, soon, soon. He put it off too much right. not to have known. Wow. But the love and support, I mean, it was really great to see. Overwhelming inspirational so many people i spoke to i wrote back to every single person who wrote to me online everyone even if it was just in a a mention or a dm yeah and everyone wrote back like and tell me their story and it was like a good support network right because like hey my dad's sick my dad and it it was good support to talk to people right when it happened it's so weird when this happens to you you truly feel like this has never happened to anyone else (laughs) and you're like oh that's right we all deal with this you know not to you know i went to the supermarket make light of this no i went to the supermarket and we were checking out my mom yeah the next morning yeah i'm like mom we need food for the house people are gonna come over we need to have some fruit some and the lady's like hi i hope you guys are having a great day and we got in the car and i'm like like how you don't comprehend that life goes on for everyone around you nobody else knows the news no one else everyone's like hi great day i'm like yeah yeah have the best day of your life or something. like, oh, my God. Yeah. We got in the car. My mom, like, just was a puddle. just crumbles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you die and this earth just keeps on spinning. No one and, gives a shit. And people will be <laughs> on the beach on those beautiful sunny days <laughs> and they'll be going to Yankee Stadium and bitching about the Knicks. <laughs> and Right. That's what's so scary about it. But uh, I want to thank the Facebook group, uh, OP Radio Podcast. They... I told them, I, I did a post, and whatever, man. I'm a different person, like it or not. Some people get so frustrated that I've changed, but I whatever. I, I started this Facebook group, Opie Radio Podcast, and I really wanted them, to, for them to have this group. So I was really letting them, you know, control it and decide what this thing was going to be. And I even, I posted this. I said, I really respect all you guys because you chose, you know, love over hate. Mm-hmm. And I, I said that after seeing all the incredible posts that went uh, toward you. They don't know you that well. No they one. know you from this podcast yeah, a little it. bit. But they felt like they really, truly had to reach out. So we, we have a really nice group of people that listen to this podcast. And remember, I'm not even on Facebook. So right. they don't know half those people on Facebook. I didn't yeah. know who they were. So nice. I actually signed on under Julia's name and read all of them. I'm like, it yeah. was overwhelming. Hundreds man. and hundreds of them, man. And then my DMs, people I were like, don't follow me. Were like, hey, just heard you. you Joey put you in the description. Just yeah. want to send. And it wasn't like, sorry. Yeah. It was like a long message. It was, I'm telling you, overwhelming. It helped more than they would ever know. Yeah. Uh, Mike, I'm really sorry. I appreciate it. Really sorry. Well, um, my penance. Yeah. Because I feel really bad. It, so when you know when when I heard Joey called me up as he was putting the show together, he goes, uh, "You need to, you need to hear about this." Yeah, 
right? So then I reached out to you, and then so my penance. Uh, because I feel horrible because the show right before that is where we ripped you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. So I'm going to be a creep. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys do the rest of the show and I'm going to step. Oh, up. yeah. We, we got to get ready for Chris Al- Algieri from uh, Huntington, Long Island. But uh, that's really funny because we gave you a beating because we we're so mad you didn't invite us to your wedding. And then I didn't. At the end How of the podcast, are we? it's called. Uh, it was episode. The episode called La Cubana in in the kitchen, and at the end, I just you know said I got bad news about you know Mike and uh, his father died unexpectedly. Then I handed in the podcast to Joey and Robert and everybody else. I didn't tell them. So they, they, you know, as they're putting that podcast mm-hmm. together, they're hearing it cold, like, what the fuck? You're not going to tell us about this? I got to <laughs> hear it on the on the raw audio of the podcast? So yesterday, I get it. I'm, I'm flying back from Texas, and my brother, or uh, uh, Sabian, goes, do you know Mike's dad died? Yeah. We got to do something. Like, it's, I told you this. Got to do I something. I walked down the hall. Yeah, it's a little too late now, Tim. <laughs> There's nothing he could do now. No, he reached out. and yes, you know, everyone I know. Did. Everyone Tim, did. Tim, Tim I, I'm just with a very good group of people around here, so. All right, Mike. Uh, really, really sorry. And I, I hope your mom's doing better. She's hanging in there. Hanging in there. All right. Let's get Chris in here. Have some fun. Yeah. So when we get back in a minute or two here. We'll uh, we'll talk to Chris Algieri, who has a giant fight coming up in, within a day or two. Uh, he's fighting uh, Madison Square Garden. He's fighting uh, Coyle. Coyle, right? Tommy Coyle. Tommy Coyle. And if he wins this fight, he might have a, another chance at a title. We'll be back, me and Mike, because Robert has to go do other things. Uh, and we'll be talking to Chris Algieri. OP Radio. I'm not going very far. I'm in a rush. It's too uncomfortable. Sometimes I just forget. Don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. In 2017, more than 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's uh, 51% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you still need to buckle up. That goes for when you ride in taxis and use ride-sharing services too. Cops are on the lookout and writing tickets, so why take the risk? In 2017 alone, seatbelts saved nearly 15,000 lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Opie Radio. What the fuck? I'm confused. No, I make fun. What's going on, everybody? It's time for another Opie Radio Podcast. Live from the Westwood One Lounge in New York City, in the heart of Times Square. You like that radio voice, bro? <laughs> I'm getting a thumbs up from my radio voice. All right. Hey. That makes a little boy feel good. I'm uh, I'm I'm going to be talking to uh, another Huntington uh, Long Island uh, guy. I'm from Huntington Long Island. Who else is from Huntington Long Island? Mariah Carey. Who else? Jerry Cooney. Who else is from Huntington Long Island? Greg Opie Hughes. Do you know that? You don't know that, do you? Oh, he doesn't know that. One of Chris Algieri's uh, buddies over there doesn't know that I'm from Huntington, Long Island. And I used to be pretty famous, motherfucker. Who are you? 
Come on over here. Did Chris go to the bathroom? I think Chris Algieri went to the bathroom. Uh, I'm very excited to talk to him today, but uh, how do you know Chris Algieri, man? He's your uncle? Yeah. Are you serious? So you're you're a Huntington, uh, Long Island kid too? Definitely am, yeah. Really? Did you ever hear of uh, Opie from Opie and Anthony? I have not. I wasn't really into radio shows though. Oh, that's okay. Well, how old are you? Um, I just turned 18. Oh, my God. You're so young, yeah, man. that's you, what I'm saying. There's yeah. no way you would know me. My heyday, I got fired in... Um, Let's see, 2002. So you were like, you were just one years born. old when I got fired from yeah, the big radio born, gig, yeah. and then I've been trying to, uh, then I've been trying to like climb to the top again mm-hmm. ever since. And I was on uh, satellite radio for 14 years. So, yeah. uh, what's your name, bro? My name's Mike. What's up, Mike? I, I know Chris Algieri went to the bathroom, so I'm talking to you, and, yeah. and and he's your uncle. Yeah, that's my uncle. Very very cool. You're proud of him. Of course. He's uh, he's uh, got a hell of a record, man. Yeah, for sure. And he's uh, he's he's fighting uh, Tommy Coyle, mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden on June first. Yep, definitely gonna be there. Are you a boxer yourself? I'm just getting into it myself. Yeah. You're just getting into yeah. it, really. You're gonna follow in his footsteps. You would Maybe. like to? We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. All right. That's very very cool, man. Chris Algieri, how are you, buddy? What's going on, man? How are you? I'm really good. Really Goddamn good-looking guy. Oh, thank you. You my nephew here, Michael? Yeah, Michael's cool, man. He said he's uh, he's going to uh, follow in your footsteps, and he's starting to box, right? Yeah, he's uh, he's, he's getting that going. He's, he's pretty damn good already, honestly. Really? Yeah. Oh, he was downplayed. He's like, oh, I'm just getting started. But, I mean, he, he is, but that's kind of a testament to the sport more than anything. It's just it, yeah. it takes a lot of time and a, and a lot of work. But right. uh, he was in the gym today, and one of my coaches was like, wow, your nephew – Actually, looks like he's pretty good. I'm like, no, nah, he's he's good. You can take him to a gym, and he can he can do anything that needs to be done. That is pretty cool, man. I was asking him if he knew who I was, and it turns out he's 18. So I'm like, yeah. oh my god. When I had my heyday in radio, he was like one years old when I got fired. Yeah, I was expect I was trying to explain to him earlier, but it's just it's yeah. Yeah, you're a Huntington Long Island guy, right? Yeah, apparently you're a Huntington guy too. Ah, yeah. uh, what high school? Uh, St. Anthony's. St. Anthony's. I would have been okay. Harborfields. Yeah. You would have been Harborfields. Yep. That's where I went. No shit. Yeah, it would have been me, you, and Mariah Carey. That's right. How cool would that have been? That would be cool. <laughs> Mariah Carey uh, hung out with my uh, younger brothers. Okay. And she used to be a cashier at, uh, I think it was called uh, King Cullen's, uh, King Cullen next to Dairy Barn. Yeah. And she was a cashier <laughs> I remember, there. I remember that King Cullen. <laughs> yeah, do you? That's funny. That Dairy Barn's still there. I know it is. Yeah. I, I like going in there for my lemonade every yeah, once in a while when I'm, when I'm, you know, letting things go, when I'm not trying to take care of things. But And then Mariah Carey would just kind of be singing on the back of the bus and people thought she was kind of a weirdo. And, yeah. and now look. Now she's, look at her. She, she's one of the biggest artists of all time. And uh, and she knows my brother, Brett, uh, my brother is Bretton Quinn pretty well so that's pretty cool yeah that's pretty cool. So, she's, she's a huge star yes she is so how are you man i'm great yeah I'm great yeah got uh having some fun happy to be here right it's good stuff you're fighting uh tommy coyle madison square garden june 1st so yes, how's sir. the training going really well yeah really well. yeah uh very happy with the way camp has been going um you know we're right there it's next week uh, that it's it's upon us yeah and you're ready to rock ready to rock well i'm 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 at the point where it's just like all right cool you know training like we're still going hard we still got some a little bit more work to do but yeah. i'm i'm ready to go out there and show yeah is st anthony's an all boys school it is not no was it back in the day it used to be um uh what was it? Holy Shit. Family. Holy Family. Right? Oh, it's Holy Family. Right? Yeah, man. Yep. The religious people in my town, they were trying to get me into that old boys <laughs> thing. I'm like, I ain't doing that. 
Yeah, because I'll do a little more religion for you, but I'm not going to school with just boys. Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) Sorry, I I mean, (laughs) I know we want to talk about boxing and other things, but I'm obsessing uh, with uh, by the fact that you're from uh, Long Island. So you got a hell of a story, man. You you uh, you were 20 and 0. You you won your first 20 fights. Yep. And then you retire for a little while, and now you're coming back. Like, why did you decide to come back? Um, I never really decided to retire. You know, I, oh really? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had some injuries to deal with. Um, I had knee surgery after after my last fight before taking that time off. Right. And then I had some like like legal issues with contract stuff with promoters, uh, kind of the way like the music industry has like okay. like they you know their managers and yeah and record labels give them trouble. Boxers have a very similar thing. Have they cleaned up the sport a little bit? No. It's still the same nightmare that it was. I mean, it's probably not as bad as like throwing fights and like the the mafia and the and the raging bull, you know, right. era, you know, right. type type stuff. But uh, um, yeah, no, it's 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 still a very rough business, and I I say it's the best sport in the world, worst business. Yeah, I uh, I I'm kind of I, I mean I'm gonna say this. I'm kind of friends with Mike Tyson. I've had him on many times over mm-hmm. the years, mm-hmm. and he hates Don King, and yeah. he tells his Don King stories like one time. They were driving, I forget where, and uh, he pulled the car over and, and uh, punched Don King in the face and told him to walk and all this. <laughs> so then I asked Don King about this because he was on the show. He yeah. goes, yep, every word of it's true. And he's kind of like <laughs> proud that he's proud yeah. that fighters hate him. He, he is that guy. Like he made him, like he, he, he owned it. He right. owned being that guy. And it, it's like it, pretty much every promoter who does something shitty, it's like, oh, it's being, he's, Don, he's Don King in you. Or, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think Don relishes in that. And I think he's killed two people, right, Mike? That's the rumor, Ope. What do you mean? The rumor. Allegedly. What do you mean allegedly? A, I don't know. If that's a rumor, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going on record with that. I think he got away with two murders, not one, but two. All right, Ray Lewis got away with one. Who cares? And he is so full of life. When Don King walks into a room, you know, he's the life of the party, yeah. and everybody wants to talk to him, and he's just smiling at everybody as he's taking money out of your back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Chris knows. <laughs> Chris knows. Yeah. I love it. But also, like you said, like even Mike though. Mike comes into a room and he has an aura about oh, yeah. him. He's got an energy and a life force that is. Yeah. He's He's a special human. He really is. He's intense, man, yeah. when you first meet him. So. Yes. Did you read his book? I didn't, know. Do you know that it got so bad that he was at the grocery store with uh, his girlfriend at the time, and they didn't know how they were going to pay for the groceries? That He lost it all to the oh, point. Oh, this was like as he was as an, like an already yes. being a champ. Like, oh, after oh. all that. Oh, shit. And then he had the drug abuse and the cocaine and all mm-hmm. that, and it got so bad, his bottom was pretty much they were in a grocery store trying to get groceries, and he didn't know how he was going to pay for them. Wow. That is a true story. Mm-hmm. It's in his book. Undisputed, I believe. Yeah. That, one of the uh, most amazing uh, autobiographies ever. Ever. He was so honest. So honest mm-hmm. and so open. The amount of cocaine that guy was doing, I don't know how he was winning any fights. Cocaine, I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> but there's a lot of there's a lot of fighters in history that have been involved with cocaine and be able, been able to compete. But know? but to train and all that, I mean, it is an upper. Yeah, that well, that's true. Until, <laughs> it, is, it is an upper until you're completely addicted and you're not sleeping anymore, and then yeah, you know everything a, goes by the wayside. Could you imagine uh, what kind of record Tyson would have had if he <sighs> if he wasn't I mean, an addict? I mean, his record was amazing anyway. But right. yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's I, I honestly, in terms of his physical talents and gifts, yeah. and training, he he could have been the best yeah. ever. And so, why did you get into boxing? Uh, what was your motivation back in the day? I grew up watching it. It's it's the first sport I ever remember watching on TV. My yeah. grandfather, my mother was born in Argentina. 
Argentina. So okay. they we lived with our, our grandparents from Argentina, uh, my grandparents from Argentina, and uh, that's what we watched. Right. We, we grew up watching Friday Night Fights on ESPN and Tuesday Night Fights back then. Right. Um, and he spoke about fighters and champions like they were gods among men. Yeah. And to me, he was my hero, and right. he's talking about these guys like they're his heroes. So right. It's, it's just, I just I was like, all right, I want to be the best. And, and how old were you when you got the, the bug to be a fighter? Um, sh- I couldn't really. Because uh, I also yep. know. 12 or 13. 12 or 13. You I, were, I went to a live fight, and then I was like, I'm doing this. Wow, really? Oh, yeah. So they just took you to a live fight, and then. I went with my dad. I didn't even go. I didn't even. Do you didn't, remember what fight it was? It was actually kickboxing. Yeah, because I know you were a great kickboxer as well, and yeah. and, it, and you blew off that sport because there was simply no money in it. I think you retired undefeated, right? Yeah. 20 yep. and 0. 20 and 0, two-time world champion. So you decided to be a kickboxer first. Yeah, so I, I started out in martial arts. Yeah. Um, so I was a martial artist on Long Island. Uh, there's not a lot of boxing gyms on Long Island. No, you know, not like, really. Especially, you know, t- 20 years ago. We, we got a lot of hot yoga places, you know, your <laughs> yoga, <laughs> you know, the fancy schmancy got stuff. That. Got that. And then every once in a while you find a gym with one, you know, heavy one bag. Hanging in a, <laughs> lonely, lonely in the corner it's with all, dust on it's it. It's all dust. Yeah. yeah. It's different now. There's definitely a lot more gyms, a lot more fighters. But um, Yeah, that's good to know. Um, really and it was before the advent of, of MMA, too. So there wasn't any, any sure. kind of, like, striking or fighting. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I got into martial arts first. You know, I played every sport in the book. I just never really liked the whole team idea. It was kind of chewing on my glove in the outfield. Like, right. You know. Didn't would rather sit on the bench in basketball that kind of that kind of thing. So baseball bored you to death, and, and so did basketball. Basketball yeah. was my sport growing up. Football too. I just I, I did it you, all. Soccer. All you did all of them, and they and you, were you starting to think maybe sports isn't for me? And before the you got bit by the boxing Somewhat, thing. Somewhat. My brother was a really good athlete. Like, yeah. Really good athlete, and it was re- I was always in his shadow in terms of being able. Like, he was a really good baseball player and really good swimmer. Um, and I and I swam and I was actually pretty good, but I was I paled in comparison to him. Yeah. You know, he was a state level guy like in a twelve. Wow. You know, and I just I just you know I like I think I made it to states once. Yeah. Kind of thing. So like I was just like ah, looking for my I was trying to look for my route. And so I found martial arts, which he wasn't doing, and he was already in high school at that time. And my dad and I grew up watching a lot of kung fu movies, so that's kind of <laughs> nice. that's kind of like how I got into into the martial arts, and I fell in love with that right away. Yeah. And that was that was that was my thing, and that was what I was going to go with. And then, um, you know, we were doing like, oh, we got katas and forms and point fighting and things like that. I liked fighting. I didn't like doing the forms and the katas and the moves. I wanted to punch people. And then we went to, we had kickboxers, professional fight, you know, uh, full contact kickboxers in our gym. And they had a show and there was a, I remember vividly looking at these fight posters and being like, that guy trains here. Like, I see that guy. He's he's right there, you know, and he's on a, he's on a, on a poster in the gym all the time. It's always there. I mean, we had this every day. Right. Um, so then we went to go watch them fight, and I mean, I went there, and the energy in the room, and the looking at the ring, and the lights, and these guys coming out with their their hoods on, and their robes, gloves taped up, and I was like, I want to do that. Right on. And man. my dad was just like, We gotta talk to your mom. Oh really? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that took a little bit of time, but I had my first fight when I was fifteen. So what what did she say at first? Hell no. hell no. Yeah, because I grew up in a family where we weren't allowed to play football. Yeah. So then my uh, my brother played lacrosse and broke his neck. Yep. Oh fuck. <laughs> He's he's fine today, but yeah. yeah. The story goes he was in a tournament in Virginia, and uh, after the after the game where he got hit in the back of the neck, he went out partying with his uh, buddies from Harborfields High School. There we go. There was a guy. Was damn Harborfields. There was a guy in the tournament playing. I forgot what team at this point, and they all got together after the game, and mm-hmm. he had this horrendous headache and neck ache, and uh, he, he got up the next morning. He's like, man, something's not right. Went to the the hospital. The doctor walks in the room with his X ray and goes, Scott, don't fucking move, move. <laughs> oh, 
and he basically told him, he goes, uh, I'm looking at an x-ray. I, I would swear this guy's paralyzed. Wow. And my brother is totally fine today, unless, you know, with the rain and stuff, maybe he gets a neck right. ache. But besides that, he's good. That's but crazy. I'll never forget, uh, Scott told me the doctor walked in and said, don't move at all. So was the lesson not party with the Harborfields guys? <laughs> or party with them? Maybe it's good luck? <laughs> but my point is that my mom was scared because we were all athletes. I, my sport was basketball and, and my brother Scott really wanted to play football. And, uh, you know, our family was no football. So it sounds like your mom was sort of like that at first. 100% like, that way. Yeah, yeah. She was definitely um, so trying did, to protect her babies kind of thing. So how did you convince her that this is what you want to do? Persistence. Just that's just all I wanted to do. I just I just kept pushing it, kept pushing it, and then um, it got to the point where <clears throat> my my sensei, uh, who I never called sensei, you just called him Bob, but um, he he you know that was good. Yeah, I, I could fight, and he just he talked to my mom one day. He's like, this you know, trust me, he'll be fine. Wow. Like he's good at this, and like I'm gonna take care of him. Right, and she trusted him. She did. She she see she sought him out or sought you know the right kind of teacher before bringing me to my first martial arts class yeah. when I was nine and she really liked this 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 man and they, he she trusted him and that was it where was it uh, Sports Plus in Lake Grove Sports Plus Lake Grove okay. Long Island East uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, right yeah. by the right next to the mall yeah yeah right it's not on. there anymore it's, it's a, I think it's a uh, and, Planet Fitness or something and how old were you for your first kickboxing fight 15 15 years old 15 years old yeah do you remember like it was yesterday vividly yeah. I have it on tape too VHS and did he knock him out um, I did not. So, <laughs> funny story. I end up, I fight this guy who was supposed to be, he was supposed to be one win with three losses, which we were still worried about because he had four fights and it was my first fight. Yeah. And he was like 17 or 18. And when you're 15, like, that's that's a lot. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so, we're like, all right, cool. You know, whatever. We'll fight this guy. And then, um, so, I make the weight. My first time having to do that for kickboxing. I was wrestling at the time, too, so I knew, knew about that stuff. But um, then I see the guy... And he's got like an entourage with him, and a and a couple belts, like a, a few of them. Like his friends were holding the belts. Oh my! And this is your first, first fight. fight. We find out the guy had like twelve or thirteen fights, multiple regional titles. Oh my god! Um, so we fight. And we have a we fight a three rounder, and I win. Right. And it it was it was a a scrap. Right. Like a real scrap. Like it was it was a it was a tough tough fight. And just like I just you know, I end up winning and outworking him, and um. He was all pissed. He's like, "What? Gonna come back and you know fight again?" There, no, there were no titles on the line, so he didn't lose yeah. any of his titles because it was my first fight. We ended up fighting again a couple fights later in a four rounder for a title fight, and I beat him again. Nice. But um, yeah, that that was that was that was my first go. It was, that was a it was a, a rough entry into the fight sports. Do you know where, what that guy's doing now? Uh, he actually he lives in California. Um, and I think he's like surfing and teaching martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> you showed him a different way of life, I think. <laughs> and then you quickly just uh, you won the title and you, you won twenty fights in a row. Were you fighting all over the world, yeah. all over the country, all, all over the world, all over the world? I fought people from every corner of this world. I fought really? guys from Mongolia. I fought guys from Russia. Uh, South America, I mean, you name it. You name it, I have five guys from all over. No kidding. And kickboxing was cool. It afforded me that opportunity to to travel and see the world. I, right. I, I just did a, a, a show at, at MSG, MSG 150, and they're like, you don't have an accent at all. And I was like, yeah. 
thanks. Yeah. But they're like, you're from Long Island. Like, you don't have an accent. I'm like, yeah, yeah but I've, I've been around a lot. I've traveled right. a lot. And I think you kind of lose it. Like, you don't, you don't have a New York a Long Island Oh, my accent. God. I, I I had to, like, train yeah. to get rid of it. Yeah. You, <laughs> Our you, accent is thick. brutal. It is thick. It is rough. I was told today, I don't know how true this is. I don't know the validity of it. But they were yeah. saying that it was voted the worst accent in, like, the continental United States. <laughs> <laughs> Long Island accent. Which I'm like, shit. It's pretty rough, man. But I lived in Boston. Uh, that that that's, accent. I think that's way worse. I would think that would be worse yeah and then i lived in western new york and they're really nasally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh then you know my my wife's from philly so the philly accent is that one is fun yeah i like that, that one. one's fun that's a cool man. one that's actually so cool one. i picked up a little of uh, all the areas i lived in um where was the toughest uh what was the toughest fight in kickboxing in the world uh man so my last kickboxing fight the really? very last one, yeah. I um, it was for the ISK uh, welterweight title. Uh, ISK is the International Sport Karate Association, which is like, if you know martial arts and you know kickboxing, that's like, that's the world champion. If you're the ISK world champion, you're yeah. that's you're the champion of the world. Wow. So I had always said as a kid, I was like, that, I need to have that belt. Like yeah. I had won another belt in a different weight class from a different organization. I was like, it meant a lot to me, but like this is the one that I need. Um, and I had to fight a guy from South Africa, and he was a he was brutally strong. Uh, older guy. He was like 40, 41. I was 23. Um, but he could punch like a goddamn mule kick. And mm. um, he had a right hand. And that was that was the punch that like, he just, that's what he did. He would take any kind of punch when you give him. You just wanted to land that and knock you out with that. <clears throat> so we trained the entire camp. It was, it was a 10 round fight. We trained the entire camp not to get hit by that damn right hand. So going well, you know, first couple rounds, no problem. Getting the same way from the right hand. He was a shorter guy using my reach, peppering yeah. him, t tagging him up, really actually ripping into him. Um, and then I kept seeing his right hand. I got no problem. Whoop, roll underneath it. Boom, roll underneath it. No problem. Hit him. Boom, boom. Then I roll under one, and then that was it. I don't remember anything until almost until the fight's over. And uh, so what happened was the right hand didn't hit me. I went under it. And then he threw a kick, and the oh. knee hit me. The ref didn't see it; thought it was the punch. The knee was 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 illegal, but hit me dead on my chin. Wow! And I only know this because I saw it on a video afterwards. I crumbled into my into like just crumbled to the ground like a yeah. puddle. Like my my chin landed on my foot. Yeah. That's how much my body just like shut off, and I dropped as if like my head just whoop was unattached to the rest of my body and fell flat like literally in a in a like a crab. Wow! And you were knocked out. Out out. But, and I, so how were you able to continue? So Sorry, from, I know you're gonna tell me. From I'm, watching the video, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I'm blink. I'm on my. I'm on one knee and one glove, and I'm blinking. And then I look up, and the ref is counting in my face, which is customary. Yeah, it gives you an eight count. Luckily, he didn't just wave it off because I sure. was a puddle. Um, and then I remember kind of like, I'm here, and I'm like, and he was at seven already, and I'm like, shit. Like that's not a lot of time, so I'm like, I don't know if I can get up because if I get up and I stumble, they're gonna stop it. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm like taking my time. I'm staying down. Eight, nine, nine comes and I'm like, all right, this is my last chance. So I push off my glove and I push up and I stand up, and I'm now standing erect. And I'm like, okay. And the and the the ref then signals you to walk forward because they want to see if you can step or walk. And then I'm like, this is gonna be the end. Because I, I can't. I don't feel my legs. I don't feel, week, I, don't feel, I don't feel anything. This is weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a dead body. Exactly. So so you're standing there going. Can't do it. You're sort of coming back mm -hmm. in, into your surroundings, but you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, it, I'm aware enough to know if I step forward right now, this could be really bad. Yep. 
No it, kidding. And it's funny how getting knocked out works because it is kind of like it, you, you come back in sections. Yeah. So like I was like, I was good from like my chin up. Everything else, I don't know what it was doing. I, it could have, I could have been dancing for all I knew. I didn't, I couldn't feel it. So um, the ref gives me that, 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 that wave forward. And I'm like, here we go. And I'm going to take a step. And I take this step and I kind of did like a, you know, kind of lean forward. Yeah. And then what the ref does is customary if the fight goes on is he rubs, rubs the gloves off on your on his shirt just in case you got anything from the floor on your gloves. And when you punch a guy, it's getting his eye. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, shit. We're still going to fight. Oh, wow. Next thing I know, the guy's on me. Boom. You know, right. Because <laughs> yeah, he knows. He's trying to knock me out. Right. So, um, and then I was just on autopilot. I don't remember for the next couple rounds kind of what was going on. I was just fighting. Uh, I was just, just scrapping. Just, I, like, it was it was so piece, piecemeal at this point. I don't really remember what was going on. And then it, it goes to the distance. We go to the end of the fight. And I'm so nervous. And I'm, like, pacing. And my, my trainer's grabbing my wrist. Same guy that let me fight when I was 15. I'm now 23 years later. Grabs my wrist and he pulls me over and he's known me since I was nine. Chrissy, relax. What do you, what's the problem? He, I don't know if I won that. And he looks at me incredulously in my face and he's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? You won every second of that fight. We got it, baby, don't worry. Right. And I'm like, because uh, I didn't remember those rounds. Like I dropped in the fifth. Woke up in like the ninth. Oh my God. Really? So like, I'm like, I don't know if I, I don't know how those rounds went. I watched a video. I beat the balls off of this guy. <laughs> like, I mean, pillar to post. So when you watch it, is it just brand new to you? The yeah. first time you oh, see 100%, 100%. it, you're almost not sure what you're going to do next. I was scared watching it yeah. because like, I've never seen it before. Oh, I didn't wow. know what was going to happen. So I'm watching crazy. it like, so, uh, I'm watching it like a, like a fan. Like, I, right. I don't know what's going And then, yeah. And then, uh, is that all your training at that point? Because subconsciously you're sort of not there. I but think all the training of, you put in, a lot you're, of muscle memory. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. Yeah, a lot of muscle memory, and that's that's kind of why we train the way we train, and that's why we put ourselves through such, like, really really tough situations in, in training camp. Yeah. So when it comes to it, it's like, all right, it's just it's just this, we're used to this. Your body's right. used to it. And, and when you get uh, almost knocked out, let's call it an almost knockout. Do you feel very? Oh, no, I got knocked out. I don't care. <laughs> okay, yeah, you got knocked out, and, and you were able to, yeah, yeah, like you walked us through. Okay, right. but do you get super, almost super focused at that point? Yeah. As far as, yeah, you don't know what's going on with your body and all that, but subconsciously or something, you're like super focused on this guy, and and uh, what needs to be done. That happens even when you get hit really clean, like if you clock and you get like a like a like a, like a micro knockout, like boom, like ooh, okay, wow. Because like, there, like, there's so many different things that can happen when you get hit. Like, you know, the, you get the the lights, the flash. You know, this. Like, yeah. Sometimes things move differently. So, like, whenever that kind of thing happens, you're like, ooh, okay. And then you're like, all right, now I gotta really hone in. Don't let this guy touch me again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there is there is a lag time um, when you get hit and hurt. If you get hit again immediately after, it can hurt you more. So, right. like, you really got to be careful right after you get touched. Now you got knocked out during that kickboxing fight, but mm -hmm. you won it. How many yep. how many times have you been knocked out? I've been knocked down, especially in kickboxing, a whole bunch of times. Like, I dropped a bunch of times. Both my world title fights, I got dropped. Um, kickboxing is a little different. The kickboxing is like the Wild West. I, I don't, I don't, when I watch my kickboxing fights now, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Does it scare you a little bit <laughs> yeah. now that you're a bit older? I'm like, I can't be my face to fight like that. Right. Especially with kicks. Kicks are brutal. Right. Kicks are brutal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a little, little different. Kickboxing is, boxing is a much finer, finer sport. So, that was your last kickboxing fight. Mm-hmm. And you decided, I just don't want to do this anymore because there was no money in it or you were just done? Well, that was or... my goal. My goal was, that, my goal was that belt. So after that, you're like, what else I is there it. to accomplish? I did it. There's no money. Right. And I, I had fractured my elbow in training camp for that fight and I yeah. hurt my knee in the fight. So I'm like, I, I'm paying medical bills that are costing more than the right. purse from the fight. Sure, sure. I got this really sweet belt. I, I accomplished a life goal. Awesome. But I'm right. not, I'm, there's no reason. And you were already boxing on the side, right? 
I was I was so <clears throat> the thing about being a world class kickboxer from Long Island is yeah. you're not gonna find a lot of other world class kickboxers to train with. Right. So I was boxing guys. So when I was kickboxing, I was boxing. I was going to boxing gym. I was going to Gleason's in Brooklyn. Right. And I was sparring boxing to get ready for my kickboxing fights without kicking. Right. So and I had a lot of those coaches being like, Man, you got a lot of boxer in you. Like, you know, you're a kickboxer and whatnot, but like, you know, you probably pretty good at this. You're just doing the gloves. Wow. So but I couldn't go amateur again. I was just like, you know, I'm not And you were only twenty three, did you say? Yeah. So then, from so then, you became a professional boxer right away, or did you take time off? No, I, my last kickboxing fight was I think November thirtieth of two thousand six, and then I fought two thousand seven, uh, April two thousand seven, my pro debut boxing. Right. Oh, okay, so you took a little time yeah, to a couple months. figure it out. That was it, yeah. and you were twenty and zero in kickboxing. Yeah, yeah, and then went right to boxing, and right. then I made it to twenty and zero as a boxer. No, I know you did. <laughs> I, I think you've only lost two or three fights, right? Three. Yep. Three fights. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is unbelievable. And his three fights are to two Hall of Famers. Oh, I know. Pacquiao and uh, uh, Spencer Jr., right? Earl, yeah. uh, Errol Spence and Amir Errol Khan. Errol Spencer and Khan, right. right. Khan's going to be in the Hall of Fame, too, though. I mean, he's a multiple-time world champion. And- How was it fighting uh, Pacquiao? We had him on the show once, which was so weird because he doesn't speak English. So <laughs> it was like, what are we doing? Because <laughs> I, I remember his, that episode. <laughs> I saw his documentary where he talked about like living in trees and didn't know what a TV was. Did you see that documentary? Yeah, of course, of course. He came down from like the hills and saw a TV for the first time and almost freaked out. And I'm like... <laughs> So, I mean, it's an amazing documentary, but then I want to try to talk to the guy, and he, he doesn't speak English. Yeah, you're not going to get a whole lot out of that, yeah. But uh, how was it fighting him, man? I mean, he, he's everything that they, they say. Right. He's a, he's, a, he's a living legend. He's he's not a Hall of Famer. He's a legend. Yeah. And he's alive, and he's still doing it. And he's still beating top guys. Right. Um, he's just a super special individual, and he's he's one of the best that's ever done it, and ever put on the gloves. Were you freaked out when you were fighting him? No, I wasn't. I, 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 know, I, was, you're, I know you're famous. Don't get me wrong, but... All of us have our our limits. Yeah. Where now you're looking at Pacquiao, going, "Wow, this guy's really fucking famous." <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny. I didn't realize how famous he was yeah. until that whole experience. But I was so dialed in to I'm fighting this man, yeah. not this not this legend. I'm fighting a man. He's just a man, and he'd already been knocked out by Marquez. So I'm like, I had that in the forefront of my mind, maybe as a mental psychological ploy right. myself to be like, hey, he's a man. He, yeah. he he's got two hands. He's got two feet. He he can get knocked out. Um, so I just, I just, yeah, that whole, that whole experience, I just thought about it. I was just hyper-focused in and dialed in on like, I got to beat this man. Yeah. Uh, how old were you for that? Uh, I was 30. 30. So five years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Weren't you injured? Weren't you injured for that fight? I, so I had broken my orbital in the fight prior oh to that. Oh my God. So I had won the title in, uh, in June of the same year. Yeah. And I fought Pacquiao in November and Ooh. I had a broken orbital in the June fight. Was that scary? Uh, oh, yeah. here's the picture! My God! You know what the scariest point was? When you said it was that scary. Yeah, it's a gnarly. Oh <laughs> my! That's what that looks like when you. He won the. Ch- he's the winner in that fight. <laughs> I got. I got the belt around my waist in that photo. I'm in an ambulance on the way to the the, uh, the hospital. A broken orbital, and you won that fight. Happened in the first round too. Did it hurt? Bad. Really. Really bad. Was that your worst injury? <clears throat> Has to, yeah, yeah. That was probably the most. That's probably the most single most painful thing I've ever dealt with in my life. How, how are you still so good looking? Yeah. I, on, it's funny. I forget which eye it was sometimes. It's, it's, really? Yeah, it was, it was this one. But yeah, I, I have no residual problem. What kind of headaches does that give you? It, so the, the 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 really messed up thing about it was like, because when your orbital is fractured, it doesn't just swell out. That yeah. swelling's going that way too, back into your skull. Back into the skull. So the headaches I had were piercing. Oh piercing. Um, and that lasted, I had double vision for about a month. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but that, they told me that was just because of uh, the orbital floor fracture 
was actually nicking my uh, one of my orbit muscles that pulls in the eye, and it's just kind of. <sighs> but yeah, but th th that was really scary in the emergency room. And I love I love the bedside manner of the, of the physician who was looking at my eye, and, and they were using these clamps to open that thing up because it was right. so shut, which hurt a lot. Um, and they had to keep drops, they keep going, and um, they made me do an eye test <laughs> with these clamps holding open my eye. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I'm doing this eye test, and I was like, you know, like. 2090 or whatever <laughs> and he's like uh, 22,000 <laughs> and he's like uh, yeah that that might come back might just like that like no big deal yeah that may or may not return may or may not is what he said you kind of need your vision for your profession and he's I, just casually saying that I lost it of course I lost it and I didn't lose it like I was upset I lost it on the on the doctor I'm like, are you fucking kidding? What do you mean, might? Right. You know, and he, he said it like that, and everybody's like, yeah, relax, relax, relax. Don't get the pressure pressure right. up. You know, like just the way he said it, he just had he just no bedside manner at all. And you're punching the wall, thinking it's him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, luckily, it came back. I got no vision problems at all. How, how long uh, were you out? With I had that? a black eye for like uh, two months, uh, the, the, and it would it would come back. Like I'd I'd wake up from a night of sleep, and I'd have a black eye, like randomly out of nowhere. Really? Oh yeah. That's yeah. unbelievable. Very, man. very strange. Yeah, I've, I've, I've never seen that picture before. It's crazy. Yeah, it's gnarly. Where did you fight Pacquiao? Uh, in Macau, China. No kidding. How's yeah. China? Uh, did you uh, get to see it at all, or were populated? You... Yeah, yeah. I did. We did a whole. No, we... no, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah. a lot of times you guys go in and you're so f focused on the fight, you really can't, you know, get out and, and see things. Hundred percent. Well, the good thing is we we did a seven city press tour two oh, months wow. before the bout, right? So I got like we went all over. Like we were we did New York City, um, San Francisco, L.A., Vegas, Shanghai, um, Hong Kong, and the Macau. Yeah, it was sick. And what what's your thoughts on China? I, if I don't return, I'm okay. <laughs> what didn't you like about it, it then? Just, it's just it's. Uh, is the air as bad as they say? Yes, worse. It's all. It's just. It's bad. It's really, really bad. Um, and the pollution is so thick that it, it makes it hotter. Like it's just humid and just dirty. Um, and people you know, the just... people were the people were great. Like my interaction with with the people was awesome. Yeah. And they brought me to like gyms in the countries, and like I had to talk to kids and like sign order. Like that that was great. And um, you know the people were great, but just I don't know. I, there's so many other places in the world that I'd rather. Do the kids return. seem happy? Oh, 100%. Yes. Isn't that strange when you so see happy. that? So happy. Because we just assume, like, everyone, if they don't live like Americans, yeah. that they got to be miserable. <laughs> I thought and everybody was happy, not even just the kids. It's just everybody was everyone happy. Everyone was just uh, content. Yeah. My with, experience with, with everyone that I spoke to was they were very, they very up, very positive. Right. Very, very positive. That's awesome. Yeah. Was, Pac mm -hmm. was, was Pacquiao cool to you? Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. His whole team was. Right. Uh, consummate professionals. Um, Isn't he in politics now? Yeah. Yeah, and I, he's, and I think he's doing actually good things, and he's he should be. I mean, he's a he's a good man, he, and he cares about his people. And Filipinos in general are some of the nicest people in the absolute world. Yeah. Um, and he's he he's that. It, it was weird because I was like, he's too nice. Right. This isn't genuine. This guy's trying to. It's a ruse. Yeah. No, it's a hundred percent the case because I've seen him since. You know about politics in the in the Philippines, though, right? They like to take out their politicians a lot. They're not taking out Manny. That, well, I'm hoping not. They're not taking out. He's, yeah, he's Mike Tyson plus Michael Jackson plus uh, plus the Beatles plus, plus Obama. everything. Yeah. Yeah, he's everything. He's yeah. everything. He's everything for that whole area. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know what he does? You probably saw the training when he trains. Yeah. He trains in the gym, and the poor people line up for miles, yep. and he comes out and hands the money. money. Mm -hmm. Like legitimately, they walk up, and he hands everybody a certain amount of money. And then sometimes he's like, I ran out of money. Go to the bank, get more money for these people. When he trains in the Philippines, yeah. people line up for miles mm -hmm. for 
hours and hours, and he hands the money. And what is he in a car, just slowly? No, no, by? no. They're online. He's going running, and he he'll hand off. He has a stack of money. That's like, a tough run, though. Yeah, no, he'll hand him, and then it, <laughs> but all the kids run behind him. Yeah, it's, it's right. wild. It's, he gives money. How, out. how much does he give out? Do you know? Has, no, has it ever been said? He, it has to be millions. It has to be. He he he's he gives out a lot of money. Yeah. I liked him. I just wish I could have had a like an actual conversation with the yeah. guy. But uh, anyway, he would, yeah, that would that would be really cool. Really interesting to hear what he yeah. has to say, especially like he's dealt he's done so much. Like now that he's in politics, and right. he, apparently he's good. Yeah. So you won your first twenty in a row, and then um, and then you lost three, right? Mm-hmm. And you won a couple more in there, I think. Yeah, no? it, was, it was it was kind of mixed up. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I lost two in a row, then I came back with a win, then I lost one, and then I'm done two in a row. And then did you decide you want to retire at that point? No. So um, I had a knee injury uh, in that last fight before before my two years off. So yeah. I, had, I had surgery on that a couple days after the fight. Um, and then I had some, like I said, I had some contractual issues. Then I was in court for about 18 months battling so, over through contracts and trying to, I was trying to get out of the contract that I was in. Um, there was some wonky stuff going on. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That's your prime too, man. Yeah, yeah I know. It was, it was, uh, it was a really tough time for me. Right. It's, it's emotionally, psychologically, um, just, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of inner turmoil. And how did it all work out? Did you guys settle? I, yeah, it, I honestly don't know this part of your yeah, career. It just it came down to yeah. It was like it was it was we were going into this court case, and more and more as we got closer, my my legal team was like, yeah, you know, it could go this way, it could go that way. I'm like, well, dude, I I'm paying you like a lot of money, yeah. and and this is this is my life, and like we could go into this and then end up exactly where we are now. Right. And I just spent a hundred grand to yeah. to get to I, from A to A. Right. And it was just like, and they're like, eh, you know, kind of thing. And like, that, that's, you never know. You that's never know. unbelievable. So I was just like, you know what? Let's, let's just strike a deal that everybody's happy with. And we'll just, we'll just I need to, I need to get back in. Right. It's too long. I need, I definitely needed some time. So like, I needed some time off to have my knee get back. Right. I needed mentally to kind of get over everything that was going on with my career at that point. So some time off was good, but it was too much. All right. I, you answered my question because I was going to ask you if it was driving you nuts that you had to sit out that long, but. I was, I was in a deep depression. You were. Really bad. So how'd you get out of it? I, I that part of it was was making the moves to get this thing done. Like I I I hit my low, you know, around that time. Um, Could you walk us through that a little bit? Because a lot of people uh, suffer through depression. Yeah. So what was your depression like? You were so frustrated, you couldn't fight, and you were just were you laying around? Were you yeah acting out? What were you? What was what was your deal? I really like I I I, I couldn't do what I knew I should have been doing. Like I had I had the guy like. Uh, Mike actually asked me on his podcast, like, well, dude, why are you why are you coming back? Why are you fighting? Like, you have all these other great things going on. I'm like, yeah, because this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now, like right now. Like, and I know my window's sh- closing. Right. You know, this is this is the time for me to do. Like you said, my prime, my prime is is closing. Yeah. Um. You know, as a professional athlete, we have a very small window to do what we have to do, and I knew it was wasting it, and and wasted potential, and wasted talent is nothing worse than that. And I knew I had it, and I knew I still needed to be there, and it just other other forces were keeping me out. Right. So I mean, what 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 could feel worse than that? Were you just wa- were you just wandering around the uh, Walt Whitman Mall? <laughs> I was. I just went local for everybody. <laughs> I didn't leave my room a lot. You it, did. Yeah, my nephews would be like, "Yo, why does Uncle Chris come upstairs?" You know, like I just, I just stayed home. I stayed in my room. Stayed home. Um, you know, I'm just drinking more than I needed to. Yeah. You know, I drink. I like to drink, and I was just, I was drinking a lot. I was drinking a lot, and not even so much as like by myself, but I was going out and like I was still having fun. Like you wouldn't be able to tell. Like I was yeah, yeah, wrong. Yeah. I was still, you know, but but yeah, just not. Started I, and I started picking up habits to deal with stress that weren't healthy at all, you know. And like that was that was just that what? was that was really when I was like, all right, something's up. Could you mention one of the habits? 
well, like I said, like the, the drinking, like, like I'd yeah, okay. be late at night drinking to be like, yeah, yeah. and I'd wake up the next day and be hung over and then just go like sweat. Yeah. But a hangover doesn't go well with depression. Cause, no. cause it, what, even when you feel like your mind's okay, you know, you drink too much that next day you feel a little down, you know, you, down, down and depressed. But that's when it, then I'd work out and working out would make me feel better. Oh, okay. So it was like the cycle of like, you know, and I drink, stay up late, not yeah. sleep really well. I, I didn't sleep. For, like I honestly, I didn't sleep for like well for like seven months wow because i was just i i was i was up just thinking yeah up thinking up thinking up thinking so um yeah it's just all that together coincided with just being in the dumps man and then as soon as the court case was settled did it uh, instantly go away the depression i or? actually i made steps before that yeah um i spoke to a, a professional a guy I used to train um and he was a psychologist and we used to swap because when, when my fight career really picked up like i got really like really heady and i was like man this is this is this is intense these fights are getting big and this is a big deal and like after fights i was depressed and I would, i'd go and i'd just hide out and i wouldn't want to see anybody or be around anybody um and then he said he's like listen man the bigger these fights get the harder that's going to be like it would be good for you to talk to, to someone about it and so we actually swapped i used to train him like like boxing yeah and he would sit down with me for 45 minutes and talk. Oh, cool. So we, we, were, we, we traded off that way. And that was, that was- Barter action. Yeah, we, we, we bartered <laughs> psychotherapy and, uh, and fitness training. And punches to the face. And, uh, it kind of worked Which together. a lot of it's kind of the same uh, yeah, thing. Of course you know? it is. Um, so then I, I, I reached out to him again. I'm like, hey man, we, um, I got some other issues going on. You know, like, can we like talk about that? You know, I'm like, I'm, obviously like I'm not training people, I'll pay you, you know, so. And then we did that and that, and that was really helpful. Like yeah. really helpful for me to kind of like, Really soundboard. Like I knew what I, I knew what I needed to do. I needed. I knew. I, but like, if you don't have any checks and balances, you, you did any know. childhood stuff pop up during that period? No, my child. My childhood was pretty. Was pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. My, my my family's super tight. Right. You know, that wasn't that wasn't an issue. Nice. Good. Um. You know, we had some we had some like current affairs. You know, issues to deal with and things like that. Right. Like, right. But you know, that was just more stress. But that's 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 life. Yeah. Like, I'm not gonna. Now, how long ago was that? Uh, about two years ago. Yeah, I'm trying to get the timeline. So, and then you, uh, I th did you come back? The first fight was at the Paramount. Yeah, that place rules, man. It really does. It really that does. is such a cool place. Fought there nine times for the people. What? Nine times. You fought there nine, event, nine times for kickboxing boxing, or all, all boxing. boxing over the years. Sold it out nine times. Nine times. The Paramount uh, for the people that don't know, it's an unbelievable <clears throat> venue in the heart of Huntington, the, mm -hmm. the village. My brother has a restaurant uh, right next to it, F.H. Riley's. Yeah. That's my brother's joint. <sighs> go, right. go in and say hi. I will. Um, but, um, and the Paramount, I think it wins awards and all sorts of things. All the time. Man. They, have, they have huge acts there. Yeah. Huge acts. Yeah, uh, Jim Brewer, one of my friends, yeah. he does a re uh, residency there. I saw um, Stone Temple Pilots. Yep. Me and Billy Joel were in the VIP uh, section because <laughs> he went with his daughter, and 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 I got to hang out and drink uh, wine with uh, Billy Joel one night That's as we're watching STP. I'm like, this is weird. Some Long Island legends hanging out drinking wine. Yeah. No, yeah okay. <laughs> but walk me through the Paramount. So you that was your first fight back. Yeah, so we we, we did much, that by in your design. hometown, man. Did, well, it's my backyard. We yeah. did that by design. Like I could have fought on other cars. I could have fought on the undercard of something, some big whatever, and like, right. a comeback fight. I'm like, no, I'm going back to where this all started. Yeah, Grass, I was. I'm a grassroots guy. Right. You know, my career was not. I wasn't like signed out of the Olympics to a major promotional company to signing bonuses. None of that. I had none of that. I literally had to sell tickets. Right. You know, to to my fights and come watch me fight this weekend and and and, and fight and win. And work my way up. So, like for my comeback, it just felt right to go back there. Right. And uh, I was I was telling Mike in his podcast, fighting there because it is a music venue. Yeah. 
the acoustics in there are crazy. They're awesome. So when you're walking through the tunnel to walk to the ring when they call your name, it is deafening. Right. And the place shakes by the rafters yeah. when I fight. So um, that was another reason I wanted to be there because it's so intense. I remember the first time I fought in the Barclays, walking out and being like, oh, Paramount's more intense than this. Right, right. As, as weird as that sounds. You no know? kidding. Yeah, because the, 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 those big venues are so open. Right. And Paramount's so intimate. Oh, yeah, so man. Tight. Everyone's right on top of you, man. Yeah, you're looking at your, 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 your cousin, your best friend. Yeah, your, exactly. <laughs> everyone you grew up with. Your, ex, your ex-girlfriends. That, you know, like, you see these people as you're walking by. It's like, Ugh. Are you, you know? sitting there before the fight going, man, this is going to suck if I lose. <laughs> <laughs> My first grade teacher's there. My... <laughs> everyone I know and love. I mean, yeah, I guess that's that's every fight, though. It's every fight. Of course. Every fight. Of course. You're in the spotlight. You're in the eye. Wasn't that recent? Wasn't that uh, November? Just past November, yeah. And that was your first fight back. Yeah. This is my, this is my third fight coming up in seven months. What are you, crazy? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's obviously still unusual, right, in boxing? To, Th- that's, to have that's three a, fights in seven months? That's a busy schedule, yeah. But I got I got crowd makeup. I was out for two and a half years. Right. You know, and like I, I, I honestly, and I wanted to hit it the ground running and be like, I'll figure it out in the in the ring. Yeah. Like I always did. Like my first two fights, like I had abbreviated camps. They were very short. Like I had like four or five weeks each fight. Wow. For ten round fights. And I'm just whatever. Boom. You know, like I'll figure it out there. Like we'll get the, we'll get the kind of guys where I can I can work it out in the ring. I'll yeah. get the rounds in and we'll, we'll go on. Right. That's it. And that leads uh to Madison Square Garden June first, mm-hmm. uh, right around the corner with uh Tommy Coyle, right? That's right. That's what do you right. think? What's your what are you feeling? I'm feeling I'm feeling really good about this. Because if you win this fight, then you'll probably get another chance at a title, right? There's a, the title shot is looming. You know, it's right around the corner. There's a lot, lot to talk about it. Um, you know, it actually, as soon as my first fight back, everyone's like, wow, you look really good. Like, let's get this kid back in a title fight. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> right. Pump the brakes. Let me get a couple fights in yeah. my belt. Um, but, yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's going to happen. I mean, once you've done it before, uh, people know your name. And I'm in a very, quote, unquote, young weight class, a lot of the guys. Like, there's a lot of studs in the weight class and they're the you know, champs that are there but they're not very well known yeah they're young guys right so i'm, I'm the veteran i'm the old guy on the block at 35 35 I'm a, isn't I'm, that unbelievable I'm the, old, I'm the old vet and it's massive square garden did you ever fight there not in the big room this is this is the, the big room no kidding what's oh, yeah. your thoughts on that it's huge it's huge look at the smile it's on his face he's he's <laughs> at the mecca and it's anthony joshua's Coming to America yeah, yeah. tour, so this is the fight yeah. at the Mecca. Huge. Yeah, everyone's gonna go. Is going to that fight. Everyone. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. It's funny. My my coaches are like, man, this is this is this is what you do, man. Right. You step up where the big fights are. Right. So this is the bigger the better. And how many um how many more fights you think? What, what's your what's your what's your plan, man? Honestly, Opie, I could be done already. Right. If I wake up tomorrow and I don't want to do it, and I don't want to fight in June, I'm going to fight. You just needed to get back after that that lull because because you weren't leaving on your terms. You were right. you were just sitting there like, mm-hmm. what the that, f is going on? That too. But like, and I've always said it. Like, I don't I don't need to fight. Right. I don't I don't, I don't have to at all. I mean, I've got a lot of other things going on. Um, You're you know, satisfied inside. You did it. I, that that and that's that's most important is is I'm satisfied with my career. Right. As I, I, as, as I've already you know. Um, what I've already accomplished. Yeah. Um, and one day I'll look back on it and I'll, and I'll look on it fondly. And yeah. I, I want to leave the sport that way too. I don't want to look back and have bitterness. And, and you got into nutrition, didn't you? Yeah, I've been. You're like a new. Oh, you got a book and everything. Yeah. Fighters Kitchen, nice. Book and everything. Chris uh, Algieri, a hundred muscle building, fat burning recipes with meal plans to sculpt your warrior body. 
That's awesome. I'm going to take this home, man. Look like a fighter without getting hit. That's a beautiful book. Thank you. Thank you. So is that going to be your next career? Are you going to go into that more of a... I, I know you're a... Co- you know, uh, you're uh, a commentator as well. and uh... yeah, I've been commentating quite a bit uh, the past couple of years. I, I really enjoy that. It's cool to be still in the sport. Yeah. But, you know, this is my passion. I went to school. I have a master's degree in clinical nutrition. I have a certificate in sports nutrition. Um, I work with other athletes. I've worked myself. Right. You know, my, my own body has been my experiment you right. know, throughout my entire career, uh, my entire life. And, and now I'm able to combine that experience at a top-level athletics with my my education, yeah, you know, and 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 put stuff out that can help people. I wish I had something like this when I was. Yeah, no up. kidding. So, uh, how do you make a living off this? Obviously, the book will sell well, or yeah. has been. I mean, how does any author make a living? They sell a lot of books. So you you would like to just uh, write more books? I'd like to like write this? more books. Um, my retirement plan is actually I want to I want to be a teacher. I want to be. Oh, a no pro- kidding. Professor, yeah, I want to I want to go back to school. I wanna, I, I I'd like school. Right. I was I was good at school. I like school. I like academia. I like being around that. I like. A lot of my um, a lot of my, my my friend group and my peer group are are their PhDs and, and doctors out of South Florida and they, right. they work in the same field of exercise physiology, nutrition, biochemistry, things like that. Yeah. So for me, I think it would be very satisfying. I like to speak. I like to share knowledge to be able to teach high level, mental, right. sharp individuals who want to want to be professionals. And I think you've done stuff with Stony Brook, no? Yeah. So I I was the uh, performance nutrition coach there. For a while, so I, I helped actually develop their nutrition program for their athletic department. Right. Um, I spent about two years there with them. The time when I was off, yeah. I was there, and just it, and it wasn't it wasn't like that kept me out. It just worked out that yeah, that was yeah. the time, and I stopped when I started fighting again. Gotcha. So, very um, cool. But that was a very um, that was that was fun. Now, uh, why not UFC? All these years with the kickboxing and the boxing, I'm, get asked you that said, all the time. I know. I, I assume you have, uh, and you got the wrestling background, mm-hmm. so. Why did you never go down that road? Because when I box, I'm living a childhood dream because I grew up watching fights. I didn't grow up watching UFC. So for me, see, I can't even picture myself in a cage and picture myself because like, I didn't picture that as a kid. Like, I, I literally, like, every time I fight in June 1st, like, I'm stepping into a ring doing what I wanted to do when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, and like that, that still resonates with me. And that's still important to me. Whereas MMA, that would be a job. And this, these sports are so dangerous. Boxing ever became a job, I'd be done. Right. It's just too dangerous. Wait, know. you as a boxer, you're saying that MMA is so dangerous? Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying <laughs> boxing is, is dangerous as well. But, like, to me, it's a passion. Right. UFC, yeah, MMA would not be for me. I, I, I just assume that uh, boxing is way more dangerous because you get so many more head blows. Like in UFC, you know, it's, these fights could end really, really quickly. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not, I'm not saying that one's more dangerous than the other, right? I mean, I'm just saying that, like, in terms of me taking that risk, I right. don't, I don't at the same reward's not there for me. Yeah, you know, gotcha. I, don't, I don't have that like desire. That's interesting, isn't it? Because once, because once my desire or my passion for boxing is done, I'm done. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I don't have it for you for MMA, so I would never, I would never do it. Right on, man. What did I miss, Mike? Anything? No, uh, one thing about the book. Chris knows so much about food. There's keto stuff in here. There's paleo stuff. There's smoothie stuff. So you're looking at one page. It's all keto. It gives you the calories, the fat, the carbs, protein. So it's a hundred days, a hundred things. It looks phenomenal. It yeah, really does. It's really it's 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 made to be user friendly. You know, yeah. it's, it's very easy to read. Um, it's it's all ingredients you can find at a regular grocer. And a lot of these recipes I developed while in hotel rooms during training camps. So they're easy. You don't need a, a ton of crazy utensils or, or or even skills. I'm not a chef. <laughs> I'm not a chef. You're like, like, like I have people all the time like I didn't know you were a chef. I'm like I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a I cook. I like to cook. So basically, you figured out the stuff that uh, helps your body. You know that you kind of like eating. You mm-hmm. like it. It could work for other people. Yep. Please tell me you figured out tasty healthy. 
Tasty healthy, yes. Because that's the problem with all these diets. Like tasty healthy look good. You eat you eat ten dry salads, you know, <laughs> and lose a few pounds, but you're going to go right back to the burgers because you didn't learn anything. There's burgers in there. Burgers, are one of my favorite things to eat. What kind of burgers though? Got I, all kinds of burgers. I got the meatless burgers, burgers, bison burgers, beef burgers. What do you name it? So how do you keep it healthy? So all right, so so here's something you can you can actually take with you. You add a you add avocado to your burger. The monounsaturated fats can help with the the absorption of the saturated fat of the of the burger itself. Right. Yeah. So you can deal with some of like the the negative consequences of eating like a red meat burger sure. by having some healthy fats in there. And also, don't have four burgers in a week. Well, moderation, <laughs> moderation so variety and moderation are the two key words. Yeah. But yeah. But I mean, that's the key. You got to find stuff that you enjoy eating that is healthy. That exactly. is so hard, and most of these diet books don't do that. So I think people should check out the the book, man, Fighter's Kitchen. I think so too. I think a lot of people should check it out. Dude, I, <laughs> I've heard your name forever because of Huntington yeah. and all that, and I, I I can't wait for this fight. I mean, do you know Jerry Cooney? Of course. Okay, so I, he, he's a friend of mine. We were hoping to get him in today. Oh, that would have been awesome. Because then it would have been a whole Huntington yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. But then he comes in and he punches me a lot. And it's like, it's annoying because I can't at do home, anything. He's huge. People don't realize how big he is. But he, like, he means well, and he thinks he's hitting you hard. And you're like, oh, my light, God, that's yeah. going to hurt. I'm going to be bruised again. <laughs> I just want to say hi to my pal. And he wants to take me to a Knicks game so bad, and I just keep blowing him off, and it gets really mad. Is he going to punch your arm the whole night? <laughs> <laughs> he says, oh, he's waiting for them to get good. That's what he's waiting for. That's yeah. what he keeps saying. He's such a great guy, though. And uh, Man, when I was growing up, he was everything in Huntington. Yeah, he was, he's the original pride of Huntington. Yeah, he was a rock star. When you when there was a Jerry Cooney sighting, you got to remember, back then when you were famous, you were so fucking famous because yeah. we didn't have all these other distractions, yeah. man. And then he was a big partier, and he had a, he he owned a bar and all that. But yep. he but he turned it all around and figured it out. He figured and, it out. And now he helps uh, ex boxers. He he's doing great. He's doing so many things. That he, that guy is so busy, man. Right. He, he's he's every time every time there's any kind of event or charity event on Long Island, he's there. Right. I always see him. Like the, the I don't go to a ton of them, but every time I go, he's there. Yeah. He he has uh, a huge heart. He does. He so does. Uh, one one last question: Your top five fighters. Top five fighters all of time. all time. So doesn't matter what division. Shakur Robinson. Nice. Muhammad Ali. Of course. Sherry Leonard. Nice. I'm going to throw one in that people are going to like Oscar De La Hoya because I grew up watching him and I just, I, in the 90s. In the, right he on. was the 90s, man. He was yeah. the 90s and that, 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 that guy. Um, uh, and I'm going to throw in one. We're talking about favorite, not best. No Tyson, no Foreman. We're talking about favorite, not best, right? What about Hagler? Oh, yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> it's tough. It's a really hard, a really hard question. It is a tough question. Really That's why question. I asked. Everyone has their top five. Um, right, but I'm asking, we're asking favorite, not best, or we're talking about best? Uh, well, what did you just give me? <laughs> that was that was my favorite and my best. Well, right. no, except for Oscar. Oscar wasn't the best. Okay. He, so he's my favorite. So if we were doing favorites, I would do Oscar and I would do Arturo Gatti. Oh, okay. Because he right was just on. super fun. But he's yeah. nowhere near the best. If we were talking best, I wouldn't have those two guys. Yet. Right, right, right. Um, trying to think who else. I hate Arturo Gatti. You hate him? You want to hear a story quick? Yes. I'm down in Atlantic City. I'm a rookie cop, 21 years old. A Torogati's there. I'm like, gonna, this is not going to go well. Oh my God, a Torogati's here. I've never told the story before. I'm like, a Torogati's here. Yeah. So I go up to him, I'm like, champ, I'm a huge fan. He's like, oh, all right. I'm like, can I get a picture with you? He's like, yeah, later on. So I go across the street and I buy uh, like a digital camera. And like, it's an hour goes by now. And we're off the set, at the, we're off the boardwalk at Atlantic City. So it's a little seedy bar looking for girls. And uh, I go up to him, like, you're not in uniform, right? No, 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 no. Okay, okay. no, no, no. You're just hanging out. Yeah, my Abercrombie spiked hair with tips, seven different beaded necklaces, and I'm like, Tori, can I get a picture? He's like, no, no, get out of here, bro, get out of here. 
I'm like, Tori, he's like, yo, I said get the fuck out of here. Wow. So I'm like, oh, I need to get a quick picture. I'm 21 years old. You're still trying to get the picture? Yeah, yeah, I'm 21. Oh, look how I harassed you for 12 years. That's why we're hanging out now. So yeah, I'm like. He was a super fan. I met him when he was 15 years old. <laughs> and fast forward all these years. Persistence. Persistence Yeah, exactly, works. Chris. Yeah, he, so now I'm like, F it. I went up, put my arm around him. I do like a selfie. I get a picture and he just snuffs me out of the way. That was it. I walk away. You're lucky he didn't fucking punch you. Well, listen what happens, Chris. Around an hour and a half later, I'm in the bathroom and I'm peeing and he walks in and he looks at me and he pulls his dick. He's like, why don't you take a picture of this? I'm like, no, no, no I'm good. So it's wow. pissing on my leg. I swear my mother's life. No! Dude, he's pissing on my leg. I'm wearing like the Abercrombie shorts. He's pissing <laughs> on my leg. And like, what am I going to... So I'm standing and I have to go. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, this is really bad. So now I just let it go. I kind of peed my pants because I got... Now remember, I'm 21 years old. They were like, bro, you should afford him. I go no. out and I tell my two boys, I'm like, yo, I think a tour guide wants to fight me. They're like, shut up. I'm like, dude, he just pissed over my leg. So he's like, all right. I'm like, he's not going to fight you. So I have my Bud Light bottle. He walks by and smacks the Bud Light bottle out of my hand. Glass breaks. Now a huge circle forms. So my boy's like, dude, we got to go. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, like, let's get out of here. So I start unbuttoning my shirt. I'm like, you know who I am? Meanwhile, I'm a rookie cop standing on like 42nd Street in Times Square. Who yeah. am I? He walks over to me, <laughs> bitch smacks me in front of like 150 people. <laughs> and dude, dude, I was bigger than him at the time because he's a small dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He bitch smacks me. No my kid. boys, no one has my, everyone's like, yo! Oh, shit! I'm like, yeah. and he walks back over and he grabs me by the neck. Wow. And then the bouncer came over and like he spit on me, like he spit on like the back of my neck and they threw us out. Dude, it was the most humiliating because how we go back now, I'm with my two boys. We go back to like the Taj Mahal and like how can he even look at me? I got pee on my leg. He smacked me. You yeah, dude. spit on your neck. Yeah, that was horrible. I'll tell you God, he's the worst. Wait, you weren't uh, in uniform? No, no, I was down in Jersey Shore just partying. I was a rookie Holy cop for maybe shit. two months. So I thought I was like the shit. You know, when you're 21 yeah. years old, I'm like, bro, I'm a cop. Yeah. Is that where the golden shower fetish uh, started? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a tour guy pees on me now. I'm like, Julia. Do you know you? his deal? No. It's not a deal. We, we were told my fetishes one day. Yeah, yeah, uh -huh. He kind of likes the, the golden showers. His nephew so okay you were, with you this? Were yeah, okay. You were kidding. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. You were kidding. What? Fucking golden shower. Oh. No, they yeah. they actually pee on each other, him and his now wife. Nice. Yeah. Hey, whatever. Fuck it. What are you going to do? Yeah, so it, it you... didn't start from Otor Gotti, but yeah. But what, did it start before the Gotti? Right. It was never a thing. It was like she did it one time in the shower. I'm like, oh, that's kind of hot. But it was before or after him. Oh, way after. This was 15, 16 years ago. Oh, wow. Gotti. yeah, yeah. So take him off your list. Wow. He just peed That's on your leg. Dude, There's nothing you could do. No, nothing. And, and like, you just got to deal with that. Unless, I mean, you would figure out something, Chris, but... If I was a little older... Look at us. We have to just deal with that horse shit. And he's like, oh, why don't you take a picture of this? And I'm like, I'm good. And he dude, might have moved up on my list, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fucking gangster. Yeah. And dude, you remember, I was wearing... That is gangster. He pulls his dick out. Yeah, Obviously, you, you didn't have a, a cell phone. No, no. And he's like, why don't you take a picture of this? Because remember, I just grabbed him for selfie like yeah, an yeah, hour yeah. and a half later. Oh, now, did now he have a camera at that point? Yeah, but I wasn't going to really pull it out because I'm like, no, no, now I'm scared because it's just me him in the bathroom. Yeah. Pees on my leg. And you know what? It's going down my leg. It's on my sock. Like now my feet are wet. I'm I've, wow. so I've heard a lot of stories about him like being yeah. really, really nasty in, 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 in Atlantic City. That's his home. Situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. wow. When the bouncer threw me out, you know, I'm like, uh, I apologize. I like, do. It's not you. It's it's every night with him, but he's a, a tour guide. He's right. He is Atlantic City. You yeah. got to get out of here. I'm like, yeah, wow. I understand. Yeah. See, see, that's funny because when we were I was fighting the Paramount, I stayed away from the from Huntington. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to hang out in the place that I was known. <laughs> yeah, because of shit like that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. right, right. You think you're the you, you're you're in a place where everyone thinks you're the man. That's yeah. not that's not good. <laughs> that's not good for your your head. You know, so I tried to stay well, away from them. But also, there's a lot of jealous people around, and well, they and they want to be the one. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I always had to deal with that crap. Mm -hmm. with Huntington's people. a tough town, man. People fight a lot. 
You, you think? Yeah. People, people, See, people we have listening, a, man, I know We that. obviously have an age difference. When I was growing up in Huntington, all those restaurants, it was all bars. All bars. Yep. And then uh, Huntington said, you know what? We got to stop this. So then they had all the uh, checkpoints on the way out of Huntington. Mm-hmm. They were pulling off, pulling over everybody because everyone from uh, all over Long Island came to Huntington to drink. Yeah. So then, you know, the word got out. They got roadblocks and they're they're giving out, D, you know, DW, uh, DWIs, all, yeah. DWIs yeah. all over the place. And then Huntington had to figure it out. So all those uh, bars are now restaurants. That's why it's Some a big restaurant nice town, restaurant. right? Very, good, very nice restaurants. Now. And my brother used to fight in that town. Oh, yeah. If you went to that town, you fought in that town. Everybody you, fights there. Yeah, my brother was uh, a rugby player, another brother. I'm uh, one of seven. Tough guys. And, uh, yeah, the whole the, that sport's all about you. Rugby's p- tough. You you play a team during the day, and then you fight them in the bar <laughs> at night. I'm not – no joke, Mike. Uh, my, my brother knew how to fight. But then my cousin, I forgot, I think it was Uptown, uh, had to drag him. Uh, my brother got knocked out cold, and my cousin had to, like, uh, drag him out of the out of the uh, situation. Yeah. My brother uh, got into some, some fights. <laughs> Actually, he's he's uh, the brother of my family where when he got married, we were like, huh, and, just, and started having kids, we were a little relieved because oh, okay. he was getting into he's a lot of fights. He's off the streets now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, then, he, then a Wall Street guy. He's a great, he's a great guy. He truly is, but uh, he loved to fight when he was doing the rugby thing. Oh. Chris, we're not going to beat his peeing story, so I think we should wrap I, it up. Yeah, man. I agree. You can't beat that at all. But it was a pleasure to finally meet you and uh, your nephew. And uh, the big fight is right around the corner with right Coyle. Here. And uh, obviously, we're all rooting for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been, it's been awesome being here. Thank you so much. All right. Chris Al- Algieri, excuse me. And uh, I guess that's it. We did it, right, Mike? We did it. I, I didn't miss. The... Do we miss anything, Chris? Plug the book. Talk about kickboxing, boxing. Kickboxing, boxing. We did, we did it. The orbital fracture being knocked out in his last kickboxing fight and he figured it out got up and uh figure it out and, and beat the guy so all right with that joey wrap it up don't forget to give this podcast five stars at apple Podcasts. visit opiradio.com for some hats shirts and other merch follow our favorite producer mike the cop on twitter at mike Sappho. joey salvia here saying thanks for listening to opie radio